You're listening to Time in the Word. During today's message, Dr. Gonzalez will discuss what the world can expect midway through the tribulation period related to the nation of Israel, the activities of the Antichrist, the activity of Satan, the activity of the false prophet, and the religions of the world. Let us listen as Dr. Gonzalez continues his study on end times prophecy. Well, if you have been spending any time at all with us over the last few weeks, or actually over the last few months, you know that we have been uh, doing a Bible prophecy series. We've entitled that series, The Bible in Tomorrow's Headlines. Now, we have already gone through a series of topics. Uh, we've already looked at key figures in the tribulation. We've already discussed uh, the rapture. We've already played, uh, we talked about the role of Israel in future prophecy and so on. The last few weeks we were uh, discussing the events of the tribulation and we were looking at the first three and a half years. Now just to sort of recap what we've already discussed to, to keep everything in context, uh, last week we finished talking about the first set of uh, judgments that were going to occur during the first half of the tribulation. Now if you can picture the seven year period, the seven year period is, is broken down essentially in two three and a half year uh, segments. The first three and a half years we see that the, the seal judgments take place. There are seven seal judgments. Uh, six of them occur up to the midpoint to, of the tribulation. The seven, seventh one in essence ushers in the second set of uh, judgments with our, which are the trumpets. The second half of the tribulation, the last three and a half years, are far more severe uh, and there are 12 judgments taking place during this three and a half year period and each of these judgments is far more devastating than anything we've seen up to the midpoint of the tribulation. Now uh, we already discussed that the two purposes for the tribulation was one for God to judge the nations and their sin and their persecution of the Jews and secondly to bring the nation of Israel into a saving personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now in order to sort of recap what we've already discussed over the last two weeks concerning the first three and a half years, we were looking at Revelation chapter 6 and uh, we looked at each seal independently and the first seal, I'll go ahead and start reading in Revelation chapter 6 verse 1, I watched as the Lord opened the first, seal, the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures uh, saying a voice like thunder, come, I looked and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown. He rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Now, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time in any of these just to uh, highlight what was already said. You notice that uh, the rider comes on a white horse. We said that that white horse represents peace, and that the rider of that horse is Antichrist. Now, two things are mentioned about the rider here. One, he comes with a bow but no arrows and he has a crown and it says that he comes out uh, uh, in order to conquer or bent on, on conquering. Now the fact that he has a bow but no arrows simply represents the fact that he will conquer uh, without shedding blood. Uh, he will be a charismatic individual, a highly educated individual, uh, a good orator, and he will be able to to appeal to the masses and the fact that he's wearing a crown seems to indicate that the masses accept him as their leader and essentially elect them to lead 
to lead uh, the, the Western Federation, which is what he's going to lead uh, during the tribulation period. Then in the second seal, uh, we know that uh, the rider is going to be coming in a fiery red horse. And we're told that this rider has power to take peace from uh, the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. Now things seem to change. That peace uh, is a short-lived peace. And uh, now we go to seeing a fiery red horse, which signifies that now things have turned bloody. Wars are starting to break up. Men, uh, according to this passage, men are slaying men. And if you notice the weapon that is given to this rider, essentially it represents the dagger of an, uh, of an assassin. Many individuals will be killed as this judgment takes place. Then the third judgment we looked at was in verses 5 and 6, I believe. Uh, it says that uh, when the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the living uh, creature say, Come, uh, um, there before me was a black horse. The rider was holding um, a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard the living creature saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages, and three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. The black horse here in essence signified famine, which is a natural result of, of war. Uh, and uh, we know that during this time, uh, people, food will be rationed. People will be working uh, and earning a day's wage essentially to pay for that day's food for themselves and their dependents. It'll be a very difficult time on planet Earth, certainly not something Americans are used to since we have such comforts and we have lived in such luxury for so long in this particular country. And then in uh, verse 7 and 8 we have uh, the fourth seal and uh, John says, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death and Hades was following uh, close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. This is a devastating uh, seal judgment. In this judgment, we see that there are two individuals coming into the scene. The rider of the horse is death, and not far behind them is Hades. These two individuals, or death and Hades, simply represent this. Death comes and takes the physical life of the person and Hades takes the soul of that person to a place where they will be tormented forever and ever, a place that we know as hell. And notice that it says, the scripture says that they will have the ability to in essence kill a fourth of the world's population by sword by famine, by plague, and, and, and by the beasts of the earth. We know that, uh, that uh, uh, we don't know what the, the earth's population is going to be at that time, but we know that 25% of the earth's uh, inhabitants will die. And think of the carnage and the number of corpses uh, laying all over the world. And remember, this is at a global scale. This is not something that is happening in one country or in one region of the world. This is something that is occurring all over the world. And certainly as the corpses lay and rot in the open, diseases begin to spread all over the world and people are dying of plagues. And then we have the fifth seal starting in verse 9. 
And John says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud, loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. This seal changes uh, the scenario now in the world. In this case, we are seeing how People who became believers during the tribulation period have been martyred, their blood has been shed, and their uh, souls are crying out for vengeance for what has been done uh, uh, to them. Notice that the Lord does say that He will avenge them, that, but that He will avenge their death in due time, in His timetable. And notice also that they were killed for specific reasons. One, for, the, for their allegiance and their failure to compromise when it came to the Word of God and for their testimony. These individuals were killed because of their faithfulness to the Word of God and because of their uncompromising relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we see the sixth seal, starting in verse 12, and John says, uh, There was a great earthquake when this seal was opened. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to earth, as late figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll, rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Uh, verse 15, Then the kings of the earth, the princesses, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For great for the great day of their, of their wrath has come, and who can stand? In this particular seal judgment, several catastrophic events happened. We're not getting into detail again because we've discussed this in a previous program. But I do want you to notice that in spite of the fact that there are a number of catastrophic natural disasters taking place when this, this uh, seal is open. Notice that the one reason why these individuals around the world hide in caves and pray for the, for the, for the, for the mountains and rocks to fall and, and kill them, they do so because of the simple fact that heaven has opened its window and allowed the inhabitants of the earth to see the Almighty God sitting on His throne. And as they see the Almighty God that they have chosen not to believe in or that, that they have few, refused to believe in, uh, fear simply overtakes their hearts and instead of seeking to preserve their lives, they seek death because they know that the wrath of God is coming. Well, that was where we ended last program, or, you know, some of those seals were where we ended last program. Today, we're going to talk about what occurs midway through the tribulation period. Now, we're going to start with the nation of Israel. In Revelation chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, uh, John says this, Because of the signs he was given, he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. 
Now he's talking about the false prophet. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast, meaning the Antichrist, who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Now, we need to remember this. During the first three and a half years, Israel as a nation is experiencing relative peace and prosperity. In spite of the fact that the six seals have been opened and much of the world has experienced death and natural disasters and all sorts of catastrophes and calamities, Israel for the most part is experiencing some degree of peace. And that peace has resulted from the fact that they have signed a treaty with Antichrist which was the thing that marked the beginning of the tribulation period. And Antichrist has kept his end of the bargain at least for these three, for, uh, for the first three and a half years. So as we reach midway through the tribulation period, we see that scripture seems to indicate that uh, Israel has indeed experienced uh, some degree of uh, peace. But that peace is interrupted halfway through the tribulation when the northern power block, which is led by Russia, uh, Russia and its allies attempt to invade Israel somewhere midway through the tribulation period. Now, as a Antichrist uh, is unable to stop the northern power block from accomplishing an invasion of of Israel, uh, of the northern block by Israel, so God is the one who will divinely intervene and uh, 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 defeat the northern power block. Now we know that at this particular stage Israel has returned to the Levitical system of worship. At this particular point the, the Levitical system of worship is going to be uh, stopped by the Antichrist because the abomination of desolation is going to take place. Antichrist is going to set up an, an image of himself in the temple uh, for all to worship. So Israel's relative peace comes to an end midway through the tribulation as the northern power block, Russia and its allies attempt to invade Israel and Antichrist sets himself up in the temple of God in Jerusalem and ends the Levitical system of worship uh, the Jews have uh, reenacted during this time and he commands the worship of the world uh, uh, as he sets himself up in the temple. Now, Antichrist, as far as Antichrist is concerned, as we look at mid midway through the tribulation period, at this particular point, Antichrist has already solidified his Western Empire, which is the revived Roman Empire. He has been ruling in the West. Uh, he now gains opportunity to, to expand his empire because, as I said previously, the northern power block, Russia and its allies, attempt to invade Israel. Uh, Antichrist does not interfere other than to object what the northern power block is attempting to do, and instead he sits back and allows God, who is really the only one who can defeat uh, the northern power block from invading and eradicating Israel, and that creates a power vacuum. Once this power block is defeated, it creates a power vacuum uh, which Antichrist Fields. There are two witnesses 
that we had discussed in a previous uh, program. The two witnesses have, in essence, completed the ministry God has given them to do. So midway through the tribulation, the two witnesses are murdered. Uh, they, their bodies are laid to rot in the streets of, Jer of Jerusalem. The world uh, rejoices over the death of these two witnesses, particularly because these two witnesses have been proclaiming the Word of God and have been warning the world of the coming judgments. The world no longer has to hear these two individuals and they rejoice. Literally, the scripture seems to imply or seems to clearly tell us that uh, they turned the day these individuals were killed into a holiday. And the, and the scripture, in fact, tells us that people will send each other presents. They will rejoice. But we know that three and a half uh, uh, Three and a half days later, they will be resurrected and translated uh, into heaven in a cloud of glory. It seems uh, also that the 144,000 witnesses, of which we've spoken in a previous program, also seem to be killed during this time period. Now, as far as Satan is concerned, listen to what uh, John says in Revelation 12, verses 7 through 12. And there was a great war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called devil, the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to, hurled, hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come... Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice. You, you heavens and you who dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Well, we know from this passage that apparently Satan and evil angels have had access into heaven. Uh, midway through the tribulation, this passage clearly indicates that Michael... Uh, uh, there is a great war in heaven. Michael and his angels battle against Satan and his angels. Satan and his angels are defeated. They are cast down from heaven onto the earth. And several important things are said here. First of all, we are told that Satan clearly knows that his time is nearing the end. And he unleashes his wrath on planet earth and particularly on the nation of Israel. And he channels his fury through Antichrist. He uses Antichrist in essence to carry out his wrath and to carry out uh, the persecution that is going to come on the nation of Israel. The last three and a half years are a time when Israel experiences severe persecution and it is that time when God uses that persecution to bring the nation of Israel into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So we know that Satan realizes that his time is short according to verse 12 which again 
uh, uh, it results in Satan unleashing his fury on planet Earth. And Antichrist is going to be the channel by which uh, uh, Satan uh, persecutes, particularly the nation of Israel. Now, one more individual that we want to look at during the mid mid uh, midpoint of the tribulation is the false prophet. In chapter 13, verses uh, 14 and 15, the Bible says, "Because of the sign, uh, because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast to deceive the inhabitants of the earth, he ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast, so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image." to be killed. And then in verses 16 and 17 he says, it says, he also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now notice, remember the false prophet, we already discussed who the false prophet is, he is the religious leader during the tribulation period. This is an individual who has led a church who has been in bed essentially with Antichrist and it is referred to the church, uh, uh, the ecumenical church is referred to as the mother of harlots. There may be a number of religions going on in the world but we know that at the end of the day the one who leads all those religions, the ecumenical movement is uh, the, the false prophet and the false prophet has been given power uh, to uh, force the world to worship the image of Antichrist in the temple. In fact, he has so much power that he will control, in essence, the world commerce. He will dictate who will be able to buy and sell during this time because he will cause those who refuse to take the mark to not be able to engage in day-to-day commercial activity that we do every single day, as in the purchasing of food, as in the purchasing of whatever. Now, that we know also that religion is going to be alive and well. We know that there's probably going to be a number of false religions, a number of cults, and we know that occultism is going to be on the rise, the worship of Satan. And we know that uh, at some point, midway during the tribulation, those religions uh, come to an end because the only official religion uh, when you reach midway through the tribulation period is the religion that causes the world or that uh, uh, the worship of, of Antichrist and the worship of Satan. That would be the single religion of the world. Charles Ryrie, a, a uh, well-known uh, Bible uh, prophecy scholar, says this, this will be a grim time in the history of the world. I suppose that Antichrist would succeed completely in bringing the entire world to his feet were it not for the presence of the godly remnant who will refuse to bow and for the shortness of the time available to him. And he makes a very good point, folks. If it were not for the godly remnant and for the short period of time that he has, Antichrist will have successfully uh, brought the entire world, every single citizen in the world living at the time, uh, into that religion in which they are forced. And in some case, I don't want to say that people will be necessarily forced 
to 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 worship him although there will be uh, consequences for not but I believe that many will voluntarily seek to worship remember at some point Antichrist midway through the tribulation period is killed and he's brought back to life and the world is absolutely astonished by this and they seek to follow him because of what they have witnessed it's curious to me that they also seem to witness the resurrection uh, and the translation of the two witnesses but they don't attribute that to God